It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I think I don't I don't do drip or money or fashion. I do arts. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 667, I think, of Locked on Raptors for Monday, February the 24th. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked on Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure you are checking out the Locked on Podcast Network. We have team-focused shows covering all 30 NBA teams. We've got the Locked on NFL Network going strong. If you're getting ready for the draft, we got the Draft Dudes podcast over there if you are a hockey fan the nhl trade deadline is going down as we speak here on monday and there will be lots of reaction and response to all of the deals that inevitably go down at the buzzer on the deadline so please make sure you're finding the corresponding locked on nhl shows that cover the shows that they're sorry the teams that you like and please subscribe to rate and review all of the shows on the network that you want to support it is very much appreciated when you do that it takes no time at all and helps us out with rankings and all that good stuff that we uh, like to throw around on podcasts all right on today's show the toronto raptors beat the piss out of the indiana poosers last night yeah that's right the indiana poosers because they're poo and they suck and they lost by 46 points to the Toronto Raptors, a franchise record point differential in a single game for the Raptors as they win their second straight game out of the break. They beat the Phoenix Suns on Friday, 118-101 as well. And joining me today, as he uh, often does on Mondays, it's our pal Big V, Vivek Jacob. What's going on, buddy? Not much. The weather is pretty nice. It's been that way for the last couple of days. It's pretty jarring to experience in February, but I will take it. I think we know how I feel about hot weather, and I am all for it. Yeah, I... Uh, I, I know I, you're the I, opposite. Well, this is perfect. I like like this somewhere in between sp- spring and fall weather uh, where it's like six degrees, and I can wear a sweater and a jean jacket and look cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the summer, but we'll get to that. And I'm sure there'll be like some doldrum of just horrible weather here between now and mid-March that will just uh, make me wish it was summer. But uh, or we can talk about it when we talk about the parade. Yeah, we can definitely do that. Uh, The Toronto Raptors are definitely winning the NBA title. Once again, they are 42 and 15 after the two wins over the weekend. Uh, The Pacers win feels like the one that's more notable. The Suns game just kind of happened and it was the Suns and there's not much to be gleaned from it. Pascal Siakam had 37 points and looked amazing. Uh, We can talk about that a little bit in a sec if you want, but we should probably talk about this Pacers game, which was just really fun and just without a doubt the Raptors were going to win that game from the first five or so minutes it took five minutes for the Pacers to hit their first field goal it took them three more minutes after that to hit their second field goal it was uh just a punking from start to finish what was your biggest takeaway from the 46 point win over the Indiana Pacers well uh, besides the fact that you could have given the Pacers all the points they scored in the second half um of the game in Indiana and the Raptors still would have won 
Um, my takeaway was that I very much like what Nick Nurse is doing um, with upping the usage for Pascal and trying to get him accustomed to what it's going to be like in the playoffs. And um, I'm glad that these other teams are also obliging by sending as many double teams as possible and trying to get the ball out of his hands. And uh, yeah, I think he's this Pacers game specifically, I thought he was uh, making good reads, recognizing where the doubles were coming from, getting the ball out. And then, you know, it's swing, swing, threes are going in. I think they shot close to 40% from three. And that's going to be a big part of it, right? When you get into these playoff situations, um, when when Siakam is kicking that ball out and getting it moving, guys are going to have to hit shots. And uh, if they do that, then they're going to be a very potent offense to deal with. That was my biggest takeaway. Yeah, that was also, I think, the big takeaway after the game. Um, because, look, there's not much to glean from a 46-point beatdown, right? Like, there's never much in terms of a blowout. It's hard to say, oh, they did this thing well against this team that seemed completely unprepared to play. But the Siakam stuff in particular was really nice. And what was really sort of telling, it wasn't even just like the driving kick stuff or the post-up and kick stuff. It was the finding cutters and Ibaka in particular, which you don't really... I, I think view Serge Ibaka all the time as like a cutter, right? He's sort of a mm-hmm. pick and pop guy. He's you know going to be in the dunker spot once in a while, but he's not much of a guy who's going to like come in from the three point line to catch a dump off pass. But he talked after the game when he came out. Nick Nurse was doing some uh, photo ops with uh, the military people who were in, te- in attendance last night after the game. So to kill the time in between that and his press conference after the game, Serge Ibaka came into the press room to address the media, and he was talking about how it's you know it's a bit of a bit of a process to get more comfortable with a guy like Siakam, who you know is going to draw that attention, is going to invite you to cut. And he seems like he's getting more comfortable with that, and that's a really nice thing to add. And like it just it's another thing that Ibaka has added that is you know part of this wonderful season he's had where he's you know improved his three-point shooting he's improved his playmaking and if he can add this cutting element in there where you can have that big to big action between Siakam and Ibaka or potentially if they go really big in a playoff series between Gasol and Ibaka uh that's it's really exciting and and it's a nice another wrinkle there's just so many wrinkles in this Raptors offense and Siakam did a great job I think of uh you know reading and not you know dribbling himself into too much trouble. I think sometimes he can kind of overcommit to trying to score on a post-up or something like that. And he just did not seem to... It it seemed like, too, you know, I I think he's kind of um, working on not just backing down guys in post-ups. I think he's trying to, like, face up a little bit more. And I think you kind of have, like, a better view of the floor and can easier, more easily make those reads for those cutters and stuff like that if you are faced up as opposed to with your back to the basket. And so to diversify things like that is really nice to see. He's very, very good. <laughs> like A very nice weekend for Pascal Siakam out of the break after I think he kind of... I don't want to say he was bad during the the win streak, but like he was definitely not one of the tent poles of the win streak. He was pretty inefficient at times. He obviously had some great moments in crunch time and had some nice performances sprinkled in. But one of the sort of undercurrents of that 15 game winning streak was that Siakam had been like pretty inefficient and didn't look totally comfortable or aggressive. And I think the last two games in particular and look, I mean, the second half against the Pacers he didn't really have the opportunity to really be aggressive or like look for his offense because they were up by so much and it was just kind of a laugher at that point but in the first half in the first quarter I think he had 14 points he was just like looking for it and getting into his his moves quickly and I I think we saw that against the 
the the Suns on Friday as well, where there was no hesitation. There wasn't like pump fake, think about things, then dribble, and you know, you know, the defense is set by the time he makes a move. This time he was just like catching and going. And I, I think that's been the sort of most notable thing coming out of the All-Star break. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, one of the developments that we're seeing, I mean, obviously I want to see it uh, over a bigger sample size before I say that this is the definitive thing that's happening. I feel like... Uh, earlier in the season, he w- he sort of had his move that he wanted to go to, and regardless of how the defense was set up and where the double was coming from, um, he was just going with that move and then just having to deal with whatever came after it. But now I feel like he's making a quick read of the defense. It's like, okay, when the double's coming from here, when when the, when the defense is like this, this is the move that I need to go to. Th- this is what opens up you know, this passing angle, whatever it is. And so I think it's just making everything look that much smoother, that much quicker. Um, and so he, he's almost matching up the move with, with, with where the double is coming from, where uh, the defense is situated. And I think that's helping. Yeah, totally. He's uh, very, very good. <laughs> Rules, man. <laughs> but that's the uh, thing, right? That, like this, this only happens if you're almost force feeding him any if you're like trying to sort of accelerate that development and you're giving him as many opportunities as possible right there's a lot of teams mm-hmm. that that just look at certain things and be like okay you know what you're struggling with this let's go away from it but they've uh, th- this is why the raptors develop so quickly this is why the raptors have the best development in the league like they embrace failure they embrace the difficult moments and they trust that their players their coaching staff can all come together to find solutions yeah, and I think because the defense is so good and because the IQ across the team is so good and they are just like such a well-oiled machine everywhere else, I think that sort of affords them the margin of error to you know take some time in the middle of a game to sort of workshop things with Pascal, right? And yeah. obviously, and Nick Nurse talked about this uh, before the game yesterday in that you know he was asked about sort of funneling more of the offense to Siakam as the season comes to a close and he's like yeah no basically it's all about the future with him right and we're trying to get him those reps now so down the line whether it's this playoffs or postseasons in the future he's not just doing it for the first time and the fact that they can continue to pick up all these wins while they also sort of workshop things and I, you know part of that is because even when Siakam is workshopping he's still very effective and does a lot of good things and scores efficiently and all that stuff um, but you know the the fact that they can just like take these little sidebars throughout the game and say all right just work on this thing now for a little bit for a little bit here Pascal mm-hmm. like that is so valuable and will come in handy down the line and I think you know the more they can sort of force feed him here down the stretch it's going to make me more confident that he'll be ready for you know whatever is going to come at him in the playoffs whether it's you know big athletic individual defenders whether it's extra attention whether it's more creative ty- types of like Nick Nursey schemes to try to like throw him off his game um you know the, the fact that you have the team pretty willing to you know see the forest through the trees as it were and, and say hey like you know the winds are nice but Pascal becoming the actual number one option is the most important thing for the long-term viability of him as a number one and for the team like that's just good prioritization i think and yeah again it's they have such a wide margin of error because of how good the rest of the team is and how well-willed everything is that you can get away with it and so that's cool to see 
Pascal, very good at basketball, and nice to see him have a bit of a bounce back out of the break here. We will continue chatting about the Pacers game and our thoughts on it in just a second, but first I want to tell you about Indeed. When you start your hiring process, you may have questions like, will you find good applicants to choose from? What about education and experience? And how will you know if you've made the right hire? Indeed is here to help. Millions of great candidates use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help create your shortlist of applicants fast. You can also add skills tests to your job posts so you can be confident in your applicants' abilities. Their library of more than 50 skills tests range from industry-specific skills like accounting and general aptitude tests like critical thinking. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and to be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at Indeed.com slash locked on and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. That's Indeed Indeed.com slash locked on for a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Offer valid through March 31st, 2020. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Uh, let's continue on here, Vivek. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There was... <laughs> The defense, I guess you could talk, but like, what are we even saying about the defense at this point? They're really, really goddamn good. They're amazing around the rim. They forced the Pacers to miss like a dozen layups in the first quarter yesterday just because they heard footsteps and they were all over the place. Abaka has been masterful. He was incredible yesterday. Anytime it seemed like the Pacers were going to try to mount a run. And, you know, we've seen this with the Raptors, right? Where, you know, the, the, they get out to these big leads in the first half and then they kind of just are, are humans and then stop trying in the second half and then it kind of becomes a game that didn't happen yesterday. And I thought anytime the Pacers tried to mount a run, you just had that Lowry, Serge Ibaka security blanket. All right, pick and pop. There's a jumper run over. Bye bye. And they just continued on like that. And, you know, Ibaka had some backbreaking offensive rebounds as well, I think. Uh, in that game too, where you know he was just he, he was a, he was all over the place on, on the offensive boards. I think he had like three or four in the game. Had a beautiful assist on one of them to Fred Van Vliet in the corner. It was just a, a really great Abaka game. OG had a really nice defensive game too, although his offense didn't really uh, click all that much. You know, Kyle was incredible, like doing real maniac shit up thirty points, taking charges, ripping the ball out of people's hands. Uh, I don't know any other sort of elements of this game. Uh, outside of like the garbage time guys, which we could get to, I guess. But um, <laughs> any other elements from this game that like you thought had like real meaning for sort of the bigger picture with the Raptors? Um, yeah, I think that there was uh, going back and watching the start of the game because I missed it watching the Lakers Celtics game. Uh, you you could feel that Lowry had sort of come out saying, "Hey, you know, if we want to beat the Bucks on Tuesday, 
Like we have to get after it right from the jump. And so I think he set that tone. I think Ibaka set that tone as well with his energy. Like he was, Ibaka was incredible on the class. Like he, he, he had a double double in the first half, if I remember correctly. And um, yeah, I think those two guys, when they set the tone like that, um, obviously we know when Lowry does, it makes a big difference, but I think Ibaka's energy sort of gets underrated too sometimes where, you know, when he, when he comes out, um, and as a force in the paint and he's aggressive, uh, I think it really has a positive impact on the team. Um, I think uh, we're seeing this season just how liked he is by his teammates and uh, how much of a leader he really is. And, you know, Terrence Davis has called him his vet. And uh, I think that's one aspect of Ibaka that's maybe gone, been sort of an underserved storyline of his career that, uh, you know, teammates really seem to like him too. And um, he sort of has this infectious energy about him when he's on the court. Yeah, he's been like, I've talked about this a little bit, but like the transformation from him a couple of years ago at the end of that Cavs series where it seemed like he was cooked into just like this really well-rounded, excellent role player who, you know, can kind of, level up and take on a greater responsibility when needed and then also just like to be like a fan favorite dude who everyone seems to love a wonderful teammate it's one of the coolest stories in the league i think and look goodbye to bird toronto and all that stuff but like it just it's objectively a very cool sort of you know arc for him right where Mm -hmm. he he was kind of he was out of place i think for a long time in the league playing the four for both the thunder and the magic and sort of floated around and was always sort of like this joke right where it's like oh man the the magic traded Oladipo and Sabonis for Ibaka what a joke that is and to see him come to Toronto and then switch positions last year and like embrace a new role I mean this dude is I mean he's gonna make himself a lot of money the way he's playing he's going to get a big contract this summer I would assume and he might be playing himself out of Toronto which is very sad to me but um much deserved for him if he ends up getting a big payday this summer but the like the switch of positions, the happily embracing a new role, even though he's probably overqualified to be a backup center. It, it's just, it's been a lovely story. And the fact that he's been able to sort of stem the tide here and bridge the gap when Mark Gasol has been out and have them not really miss a beat, even though we know how much Gasol brings and how much he sort of expands the playbook when he's out there. But for Abaka to have all these little new sort of nuances to his game, to sort of you know amp up what he can offer when he's out there and not keep the Raptors just to slow, solely you know Lowry Ibaka pick and pops as like their only source of offense when he's out there. Um, it's it's been really cool and he's so so easy to root for and it's going to be a bummer when he leaves eventually for a ninety million dollar contract or something like that uh, with like the stupid Nets or something like that. Um, <laughs> God, I'm sad already. I'm sad already. Uh, Serge Ibaka rules like probably a top 10 all-time Raptor at this point too. Like if yeah. thinking back, like I, I did the ranking every Raptor update in the summer. I think I had him at like 13 and the way he's played this season and you know, the championship equity, like, is he like a greater Raptor than Antonio Davis? Probably <laughs> like yeah. I know Davis has the all-star nod, but a block has been incredible, man. And, yeah. and has been here for a lot of the best things. He has that three over Ben Simmons, which is like one of the most iconic plays in team history. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just adding into it this year. Like, I don't think it's crazy to say he's top 10 uh, on the all time Raptors list. Like, I don't know if he's going to get like his number retired or anything like that, but 
he's like in that tier below where he's like almost Jonas level in terms of impact on the franchise. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, and and if he can continue this into the playoffs uh, and help the Raptors get to the the East Finals and possibly beyond, I think I think that would cement it, right? And I, I don't think there'd be any question at that point. Yeah, he's like I think he's my most interesting case for when I do go back and do the third update this summer on the all-time Raptor ranking as to where he's going to end up. As much as Malcolm Miller will be a compelling case as well, uh, I think Ibaka is going to. Uh, Maybe have the biggest jump of anyone from last year. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's throw it back to the Suns game, I guess. Uh, I mean, we should note a couple things that, like milestoney. Uh, like Nick Nurse got his hundredth win. That's very cool. He mm-hmm. uh, has more wins combined. Uh, sorry, he has more wins than Daryl Walker, Brendan Malone, and Kevin O'Neill combined in 166 fewer games coached than those three combined, which is <laughs> my favorite stat of the day. Uh, <laughs> it's it's crazy um he's a very very good coach he's and happy for him he's uh, obviously the fastest raptor 200 wins i think he's like one of the two or three fastest all time to 100 wins all time leader in win percentage all that good stuff so shouts to him um obviously the 46 points was the franchise record for the uh single game point differential over did you know what the second highest game was a lot of people thought it was the bucks game with bruno it's actually a hawks game from a couple years back yeah, I do. I do remember that Hawks game, but the Acapurtle cum face dunk. <laughs> <laughs> you just wanted to say that, didn't you? I did. No, it just came to my mind. Uh, but he he only had two points in that game. I looked at the box score this morning. Uh, his only points were that dunk, which kind of rules. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, the Suns game. I think I, I think the, the all the blocks still stand out to me. Uh, oh yeah. An elite, an elite block party. Um, yeah, there's it, definitely a record for how many shots the Raptors have blocked from three. But again, the perimeter defense, their ability to scramble and get out, um, you know, collapse and then scramble. Uh, I just don't think there are, you know, uh, many teams that can cope with it. And definitely not the sub 500 team so i think that this is where you know we, we, we kind of just keep waiting for the big games now right like we're, we're not going to learn anything from the phoenixes or the chicago's or um even the orlando's at this point so yeah i i think give me all these competitive games against the bucks and you know later against the nuggets and lakers and celtics and sixers and yeah and then we'll go from there this is jake from locked on Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
Yeah, I- I'm glad you brought up the closeout thing, actually, because that is sort of, and we saw this again against the Pacers, not as many blocks necessarily, but um, yeah. they were certainly, you know, contesting those shots and, and making everything difficult. And I-, I think it's very interesting in terms of how it plays up against the Bucks, And I think it's going to be a good test case because like the Raptors' entire defensive strategy is, all right, let's give up these threes to these shooters we're fine giving up shots to, and then we'll just contest them really hard because we know we can scramble back. We know Pascal can cover all of the ground in the world to go from the strong side to the weak side to go and contest the shot very easily. And we know OG's a monster. I mean, Kyle had some absurd closeouts last night. He forced Aaron Holiday into like a frightened double dribble <laughs> because of one of his closeouts. Um, it's like really, really masterful to watch them. And I, I think against the Bucks, like I would imagine against Milwaukee, they're going to employ something similar to the Harden strategy, right? Where it's just like, all right, let's throw two bodies on him and get the ball out of his hands and then just see how the rest of the team can can cope. And maybe Chris Middleton destroys them that way. Or maybe they have George Hill and, you know, Pat Connaughton and Dante DiVincenzo, you know, brick away and miss a bunch of threes. And that, you know, is kind of the difference. And so I, I wonder... I'm, I'm like I'm sure they're going to deploy it. I, I don't think there'll be any secrets. Like I don't think they're going to try to hold anything back from the Bucks at this point because you know there's not any secrets to be had anyway. And so I'm curious to see just how far their scramble and recover defense can go because they have the horses to do it and they have the dudes who can run around. And the way that they I think have managed minutes a lot better lately. You know, like you get a 46 point win, you're obviously you're going to have some pretty good load management there. But they've kind of I, I think tamp down on the dudes playing 40 plus minutes because it's been like out of necessity and they've kind of evenly spread the minutes a little bit more to maybe sort of optimize the energy everyone has to play that crazy defense and i'm really curious to see how it plays out against the bucks because like that's going to be the key right if if that defense can work against what the bucks do with all of the threes they bomb and you know the 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 extra attention you're obviously going to have to send to Giannis that like that could be your key to potentially uh, like upending them in a series and, and i don't think it's necessarily likely i think the bucks are amazing i think Giannis is incredible but their defense seems like it might be sort of tailored especially since you have og as like a you know point of attack on ball guy as well to sort of slow Giannis as well as most like most could hope to do um like it all kind of seems like the raptors even without Kawhi, kind of have the the setup to maybe defend Giannis better than most teams, and even then, that doesn't mean you're going to stop him at all. But it, it's right. I, I'm curious to see how the defense plays out against Milwaukee, considering how good they are at what they do, and considering the way the Bucks play. It should be an interesting sort of styles make fights thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing too going into this game is going to be um, the energy the the Bucks energy coming into this game. Obviously, there's no real revenge until you you beat uh, someone that beat you in the playoffs. Uh, but you know this will be their first game back uh, since losing that game six. So I think I think you know on some level, you know they're they're going to be uh, ready to sort of <clears throat> uh, erase those memories, and um, I think they'll be really up for this game. Uh, and I expect a playoff atmosphere. And so we'll see uh, how, how the Raptors cope with that. You expect them to be able to do it. And I just, you know, with the talents, uh, you know, you look at Powell missing, Ilke Gasol missing, you know, this, <laughs> let's face it, this Bucks team might be uh, the type of opponent where you kind of need all your guys. So I think it's, it's going to be a, an uphill battle. Um, 
but they've got the defense to keep them in the game, and that's the biggest thing. They they can hit enough shots, and at home they should be able to do that. Uh, hopefully, we get a really good game uh, Tuesday night. Yeah, and the Bucks surrender a lot of threes too, right? Like that's kind of their thing, and yeah. they you know they they're really really good around the rim, which obviously. Uh, might you know come at the expense of Pascal Siakam and his efficient his efficiency and, and whatnot, but um, we've seen that if you're going to take down the Bucks, uh, a really good night from three is the way to do it, and the Raptors certainly have the guys to do that. Um, Matt Thomas included, baby, uh, <laughs> sitting next to <laughs> sitting next to Alex Wong while Matt Thomas was scoring 17 points in the fourth quarter yesterday was uh, very good shit. <laughs> <laughs> Although we got really mad when Thomas uh, pulled up for a long two and uttered the phrase, that's like ordering salad at McDonald's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Peak Alex. Oh, yeah. It was good stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a, again, I, I don't, I feel like Raptors fans are getting into almost like a dangerous territory where it's like, oh, the Bucks are cowards and they're going to fall. And like, maybe they will. Like, I think their questions are entirely about the postseason and entirely related to like Eric Bledsoe and Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton and mm-hmm. how that all translates to the postseason. But like, I think it's important. I had I was on radio this morning and someone asked me, like, are the Raptors like close to the Bucks? And I'm like, mm, like the Bucks have half the losses the Raptors do. <laughs> like right. as good as the Raptors have been, that's how much better Milwaukee has been. Yeah. And I mean, they have like this historic net rating and everything. And so I think like a healthy respect for the Bucks is necessary, as much as it's easy to clown on them for getting uh swept after going up 2-0. Um, yeah. you know, it's really fun and easy, but they're they're terrifying, man. And Giannis is a fucking monster. And they very well could come into Toronto on Tuesday night and just pace the Raptors. And maybe that means something, and maybe it doesn't. And honestly, like again, I think anything the Bucks do from the regular in the regular season from here forward doesn't really matter much to me. I think they've established how good they are. And I'm just kind of waiting for the playoffs to see if the questions I have about them are answered. And maybe they will be. Maybe Eric Bledsoe has his like Kyle Lowry. Like come out of, I mean, not that Kyle Lowry was bad in the playoffs ever to the to the degree that Eric Bledsoe is outside of one year, but like maybe Bledsoe has this redemptive postseason. Maybe Chris Middleton is really this like ridiculously efficient fifty forty ninety monster in the playoffs who can keep it up while also playing elite defense. And if that's the case, they're gonna walk to the title, <laughs> and yeah, it's gonna be pretty easy, I think. But um, you know, that's my 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 word of caution to Raptors fans is as much as the Raptors seem like a team that can give them some trouble and Nick Nurse is a really good coach. And I feel like I would feel pretty good about a nurse Budenholzer matchup going in favor of the Raptors. Um, it's it's a it's a big mountain to climb and they might get killed tomorrow night just because the Bucks seem to kill everybody. As Nick Nurse pointed out in his post game, he finds Bucks games boring because they're usually over by halftime. <laughs> so. Just yeah. uh word word to the wise. Um, do you have any uh parting shots or last lingering thoughts before we wrap this thing up? No, no, I mean I agree with you hundred percent. Um you know, the theme of uh, the finals last year was uh that appropriate fear, right? And Steve Kerr talked about that and um Nick Nurse said it a little bit. I know Greg Popovich has used it before and you have to have an appropriate level of fear whether that whether the better word is respect, I don't know, but um, I, I'm sure the Raptors have plenty of respect for the Bucks. So, um, yeah, the fans, I, I, they want to have their fun with it. Let them go ahead. Um, 
who knows when they'll be champions again uh probably june no i'm joking um but uh yeah enjoy the moment but also you know these bucks are going to be very tough to beat and with that i will let you know that you can find my usual stuff at raptors republic and complex and you can follow me on twitter at vivek m jacob Hell yeah. Uh, also on the note of the Bucks, uh, tomorrow morning's podcast, I'll be joined by Kane Pittman, who is our Aussie pal, who is one of the co-hosts of Locked On Bucks. We're going to talk about the game and the Bucks this season since it's been a little while since we checked in with them. Um, and three games against Milwaukee to close the season, although two of them might not matter that much as it'll be in April. And both of these teams will uh, surely be entrenched in the one, two seeds in the Eastern Conference. Uh, don't hold me to that. Boston's very good. Blah, 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 blah. Jason Tatum, superstar turn. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, but um, yeah, so Kane Pittman on tomorrow's show, and then we will uh, ride out the rest of the week with uh, and Katie will be on after the Bucks game from the arena, and we'll figure out what else is going on in the rest of the week as we go on. Maybe talk some Kyle Lowry with some Villanova folks as we get closer to his uh, Jersey retirement date, I believe, also on Wednesday. Uh, all right, that's gonna do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. You can buy We the Champs. I have um, filling in for Josh Kern on the five thoughts on Raptors HQ today to talk about the Pacers game. And I uh, I also announced this over the weekend. And if you have not seen it on Twitter, I am going to be the Raptors feature writer of the month for March. So keep an eye out at Raptors. Get the Raptors app so you can get those push notifications right to you when I post my garbage. Uh, I, I actually am very excited. I have some cool ideas that I'm excited to work on. And so uh, keep an eye out for that at uh, Raptors.com and at Raptors on Twitter and all that stuff. You know where the Raptors are on Twitter. It's just at Raptors and everyone follows them. Um, anyway, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will talk to you on Tuesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.